Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and, and look at verse 2. And this is in context to what's happening at Manchester next Sunday. Uh, we can even start with verse 1. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened. And Timothy's not a child. Timothy's uh, a young pastor. Uh, he's about 30 years old. He's pastor one of the most significant, at least geographically, churches in the early church, church at Ephesus. And he's a, a disciple, Paul, uh, the apostle is disciple Timothy, and, and he has great fatherly affection for him. So he refers to him as a, his child. So he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And But verse 2 is important. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trusts to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And in this, like, verse 2, like, there's at least three generations that you can see. You can see the Apostle Paul, you can see Timothy, and you can see Timothy's charge to raise up the next generation. Well, when you go up to Manchester, if you have the availability, availability to do that next Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, uh, you're going to see the founding pastor there, who's Pastor Joe DeCharo, and, and Joe is in his 80s. And he, he's a little, um, I don't know how to, if I tell you, would, would, you, te would you keep it a secret? <laughs> he's a little cantankerous, you know? And, uh, and uh, but, but he's, he's a, you know, everybody needs grace, I need grace. Um, but he's the founding pastor, and he's in his 80s. And then we had uh, uh, John and Linda Pila are going to give a, a little introduction, and and uh, at least John, I can give John's age. John's like 63 going on, I don't know, 73, something like that. And, uh, and John, John pastored there for like five years. So Joe pastored the church for like 12. John pastored the church for, for five. And then we've got a 30-year-old, Jared Denaro, who's coming. And, and he's going to be the new pastor for the English service. And so... <laughs> So when we look at, uh, you know, the church, the church is cross-generational cross -generational or multi-generational or intergenerational. I'm not sure which one is the best descriptor. But at least next Sunday, you're going to see an 80-year-old come up there and, and, and with all his heart, you know, say he's grateful for the work of the Lord at Manchester. Then you're going to have a 60-year-old come up and say, I'm grateful for the work of the Lord at Manchester. And then you're going to have a rambunctious 30-year-old come up and can't wait to change everything. So it's really pretty, pretty special um, uh, of what uh, the Lord has done up at Manchester to rescue his church. And, and even, in, even in our church, what you can see is you can see that uh, uh, emerging generation coming. Can't you see it? Did you see it up here this morning? Uh, they have one designated old guy. Uh, he he de designated old guy. He was in the he was in. They kept him in the booth, kind of locked up, and and then uh, we get a guy that's going to UMass Amherst, and and these other three are just kind of finishing out their uh, their high school years. So it's really exciting, and that's what life looks like. Life is about. Um, one generation handing the torch to another, and, and yet all of them uh, working together 
to accomplish the things of the Lord. And, it, and I have to tell you, it's, uh, after 40 years of ministry, it's very, very exciting uh, to see that happen at Manchester. And it's, and it's very satisfying uh, to see that happen in our midst. And so uh, if you can pop up there, the service is not going to be any more than probably 45 minutes, uh, 50 minutes long. Uh, and uh, you, you would get to see that. So anyway, uh, this morning we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've already looked at verses uh, 1 through 9. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through uh, the end of the chapter t- today. So let's pray together and then we'll, we'll take a look at the, the verses that are before us uh, this morning. Uh, just before I pray, I, I know there's lots of people watching online, so we just want to, should we, should we welcome them? All right, just say welcome by giving a clap your hands. Say welcome to those that are joining us. And let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, the beautiful day that's outside and, and uh, just uh, kind of the best in New England. And so we, we look forward to in, enjoying the day that's before us. And uh, as we look at your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts and encourage us in the things of the Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been working through 2 Timothy. I've been working through it verse by verse. And last week we looked at verses 1 through 9. Let me just bring us back to verse 1 here for a minute. Paul writes this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. So in the last days there will come times of difficulties. There's two things to really understand from, from that one verse is, and one requires a definition, is that what is Paul referring to when he says the last days? Because that is insightful for us. It's instructive towards us. And so what Paul's referring to when he says the last days, he's talking about the period of time between the advent, the birth of Jesus Christ, which we just celebrated at Christmas. The last days are all the days between the birth of Christ and, and his glorious second coming. Uh, when he'll fulfill all and every promise, uh, both in the Old and the New Testament. And so between those two events, between his, his first coming, coming as a babe in Bethlehem to his second coming as the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords, those things are, are called the last days because God is, is bringing to consummation his great plan uh, disclosed in the Old Testament and, and revealed in the New Testament. And so secondly, Paul says that during those last days, between uh, the birth of Jesus Christ and his second coming, Paul says that you're going to have difficulties, Timothy. And Timothy, as we've already made reference to, he's about 30 years old. He's pastoring in a, in a very significant uh, geographic location in Ephesus at the crossroads. And, and yet things are not going well for him. Uh, things are not going well for the Apostle Paul in a, in a natural sense. The Apostle Paul's in prison. He is uh, uh, expecting and uh, Nero to uh, issue the final order for his execution, which will happen. And, and, his, and his heart is, uh, is uh, focused at the future of the gospel, future of Christianity. That's Paul's focus. His focus is not on himself. He's not 
filled with self-pity. He's not filled with a sense of, oh, woe is me. But he's, his, real, his heart and his focus is on, on what has fueled his passion for his entire life, which is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to see people set free from guilt and shame, to see people like uh, know what it is to be able to lay their head on their pillow at the end of the night and say, you know, all is right between my God and myself because of the marvelous work that Christ has done on the cross for me. And so the apostle's like caught up in that. He's caught up in, in, in having a focus on Christ and not on himself. And so he comes to these, these last days of his life and he's looking at Timothy. It's like, how can I, how can I equip this young pastor to kind of get through these last days? And if we were to move to application right at the very beginning uh, of our teaching, we would have to ask our question, like, how can we experience the same victory, the same sense of peace? How can we experience the same sense of all is well between me and my God that the Apostle Paul had, even in the midst of difficulties that life will bring? And in the last days, such as we're living in, the difficulties that come along, how can we have that victory that the Apostle Paul so demonstrates in his life? You know, how can we uh, arrive at a place through the ups and downs of life that our hearts are centered on what is the most important thing in our life? And that question, that question is answered in our verses this morning, verse 10 through the end of the chapter. And what we're going to see is Paul answers that question, how can I be victorious in the midst of difficulties? How can I have a sense of God's peace in the midst of the ups and downs of life? Paul answers that question in two ways. For the first one, he says to Timothy, know who your spiritual mentor is. Who are you listening to? Who are you following? And then secondly, he asks Timothy to remember what has fed him spiritually? What has uh, brought maturity to his life spiritually? And I'll give you the answers to those two things. For, the, for Timothy, who has he listened to, who has been his spiritual mentor, is, is who? What's the answer to that? Is the Apostle Paul. And Paul is going to recall in three different ways how he has served as Timothy's spiritual mentor. And of course, the application to us is is to drill down on that and to say, do we have that person in our life? Do, do we have a person who, in this side of heaven, we can look at the footprints in, in the sand, so to speak. We can look at the footprints and that we can uh, grow spiritually by uh, relating, having conversation with, understanding someone that's been a few steps ahead of us. And then the second thing is Paul reminds Timothy of, of how he was nurtured from a very young age and, and how the Bible equips him for every good work. And so those two things are the remedy or the answer to how do you live in victory in, in the last days. Let me, read through, so we, uh, let me read through our verses and then I'll come back and unpackage it just a little bit more for you. So starting in verse, verse 10, he says, You, however, 
have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, so there's a transition. Here's the second thing that Paul's going to focus on. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so the first part is, if you want to have uh, spiritual growth in your life during difficult times, simply who are you following? Who do you allow to speak into your life? I mean, do you, do you search... Do you, do you search? I was I'm not search, but surf. I mean, do you surf through the cable at night saying, is there anybody that would speak to me? Have, has any, don't raise your hand, but have you ever done that? I've done that. In different, very, very difficult times in my life, late at night, I'm there. No, no. Oh, that guy, Joel, he has a nice smile. No, no. I mean... In, like, who, who do you allow to speak? What are the qualities of that person spiritually that you like, like speak into your heart and your life? The first thing that Paul does, and Paul loves these little couplets and triplets, he says this, my teaching, my conduct, and my aim. And all three of these little things that we see in verse 10, you however, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. They all focus on the, the heart of Paul, not only to teach the Word of God, but to live out the Word of God. And so one of the, one of the qualities that you want to look for in someone that you allow to speak into your life spiritually is do they, do they walk out do they walk out what they confess? Is there testimony that comes out of their mouth? Can you see it in their life? Can you see it? In other words, so often in our day, and we could, which we won't, <laughs> we, could, we could run a political montage and have the, every candidate of every tribe say one thing and they'll do what? They'll do another. And so we look at them and we dismiss them because they are we, are, we, we call them what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. In other words, they wear a mask. They wear a mask. And one of the key qualities that Paul encourages Timothy is don't follow a person that wears a mask. But follow a person that, that in Timothy's case, he says, you know my teaching, you know my conduct, Galatians 1 and 2. In other words, he walked out the things he said. And he, and he says to Timothy, you know my aim. And my, my, the aim of my life 
Paul says, is to glorify God and not self. And you know, that type of person is the type of person you want to pull alongside in your life. Someone that, that speaks the truth of God's word, but lives it out, and lives it out not for a selfish end, but lives it out for the glory of God, and that you could grow in your own affections for Christ. We could go back to verses 1 and 9, 1 through 9, and 1 through 9 is the antithesis of what Paul is saying in verse 10. The false teachers, they were concerned with self-love and self-promotion, not agape, not love. And so Paul's teaching, his conduct, his aim, in a sense, his whole ministry was Christ-centered. The second thing that we can see on in trying to answer that question, who should you follow? Who should you listen to in this life? Should you listen to anybody? Should you go through, like one of the things I've, I've enjoyed listening to is TED Talks. Should you just go find TED Talks and just, just kind of get a little notebook? <laughs> you say, have you done this? <laughs> yes, I have. Um, get a little notebook and listen to TED Talks and see how you can improve your life. Should you do that? Well, Paul says this, that he calls to, he calls to Timothy's remembrance his faith, his patience, his love, his steadfastness. In other words, that if we're to be a follower of Christ, and we've talked about this already, Paul says that I lived out the gospel in front of you, Timothy. But Timothy, Timothy more than any other person, knew about these qualities of faith, patience, love, and steadfastness in Paul's life. How? Because Timothy didn't have it all together. Timothy was deficient. He was a little shy. He was afraid to really proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was, he, he was shamed by the people in his congregation, and they shamed him because Paul was in prison. And there's people like that in all of our life. But where are the people? Who are the people that love us? Who, who are the people that are patient with us? Who are the people that are steadfast in relationship with us? Who are those people? Who are the people that can look at our life like the Apostle Paul did to Timmy? <laughs> Tim, my son's name's Timothy. That can look at Pastor Timmy and, uh, yeah, that's a prophetic word to you, Tim. No, I can't believe I said that. Um, <laughs> who are the people like Paul that can look into Timothy's life and see what God's doing? Who are the people in your life that can look past your brokenness and see what God's doing? Who are the people that can look into your life past the mess of your life and say, this is the good thing that God's doing in your life? Now, I would make a suggestion to you. If you're single and you find someone of the opposite gender that's in a reasonable age range with you and that's a godly person, I could qualify a lot more. But I would say that if you find someone like that, that person's a keeper. And if you're unmarried, you might want to consider marrying that person. Because if you do, you'll always have someone right by your side that will love you, will be steadfast, will be patient. And more than any of those qualities, that person 
can look into your life and they can look beyond your brokenness and they can look beyond who you are and they can look into your life like Miss Nancy does and they can say, this, Edward, is what God's doing in your life. And that's what the Apostle Paul did for Timothy. That's the type of person you want to put in your, in your, in your corner that can speak into your heart because you'll grow spiritually. The third thing that we can see is that Paul had Christ-like experiences. To follow Christ is to share in his persecutions and sufferings. Take note of, of the verses that I give you in your notes, John 15, 18 through 21. Every man's going to be like his teacher. 2 Corinthians 1, 5. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. Philippians 3.10, 1 Peter 4.13. Those scriptures are to be saved during the week because they get at one thing, that if we're a follower of Christ, we're going to have Christ-like experiences in our life. And yet in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of those persecutions, in the midst of those hardships, we're going to have victory because our life is not centered on the temporal and our life is not centered on circumstances, but our life is focused in the, in the enduring values of two things, that Jesus Christ loves us and his word endures forever. The last thing, the second thing, first thing is, is how do we have victory? How do we grow spiritually in the midst of the difficulties that life has? We need to be aware of who who we're letting to speak into our hearts and our lives, who is speaking into our hearts and lives. And, and Paul uses his relationship with Timothy as an example of that. And then the second thing is, what are you feeding your mind with? What are you feeding your soul with? What is going to equip you to, do, to be the very best person this side of heaven, to accomplish all the things that God has for you? And Paul reminds Timothy that it's the word of God that endures forever, that in every facet, well, Paul says it better than I could ever say it. Come with me to verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. And so that's that, that aspect of who is speaking into your heart who, and what are the qualities of that person. Then, he, then Paul moves on in verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so Paul reminds Timothy of his mother and his, and his grandmother that spoke the word of God into his heart and life. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. And he will do what? He will direct. He will make your path straight. You hide that in your heart. You give that to the young kiddos that, you know, don't lean in your own understanding. Don't trust your own wisdom. But seek the wisdom of God because that's the way your path is going to be successful in life. And then Paul goes on in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And what I, love about, what I love about the ESV is that's exactly what it is in the original language. God breathed out his words and gave us the Bible. God 
breathed out his words and put it upon the hearts of the writers of the scripture. God breathed out his very purpose and his character and his nature so that it could be captured in the sacred writings and the scriptures so that we could know him. And when we feed our mind that, when we feed our soul that, well, take a look at the text. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the child of God may be what? Competent, equipped for every good work. In this life, we're all going to go through difficulties. It's, it's just part of living life, this side of heaven. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have disappointments. But the way through it, the way through it that Paul gives us, he gives us two great insights in how to manage and get through the difficulties of life. The first one is, who do you let speak into your heart? What type of person do you let speak into your soul? And Paul offers himself as an example that Paul is Christ-centered and that his heart is full of love for his son in the faith, Timothy. And he sees what God's doing in Timothy's life and he calls him to that, not out of anything other than this simple thing, that he loves him, that the apostle Paul loves Timothy and wants to see him successful. We can be that type of person in our kids' lives, can't we? That we can speak into their heart. We can look beyond. Yeah, I'll just let you fill in the blank. You can look beyond that and see what God is doing in their heart, in life, and call them to it. Tell them, this is what, I know, I know this is going on in your life, but this is what I see God doing in your life. And, and there's nothing so sweet. There's nothing so sweet as being a granddad and looking at your grandchildren, and looking into their hearts, and calling forth what God would want to do in their heart and their life. Who are you allowing to speak into your heart and your life? And secondly, what are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your soul? And if you choose godly people to speak into your heart, and you use the word of God, you'll get to the place that God has destined you to get to. And not only that, that when the difficulties and trials and tribulations of this life come, you will experience victory in your life because you are not subject to the circumstances. You're not subject to the emotions because your heart has been trained to be fixed upon Christ who will lead you, guide you, love you, be with you all through the steps that life will bring you this side of heaven. Amen? We get to close with the Lord's table today. Just a perfect way to close after a teaching like this. To center ourselves on what Christ has done for us, his, his virgin birth, living a sinless life so that he could be a replacement for us, so that he could go to the cross and take, take on the penalty of sin. So we, when we express faith in him, do not have to suffer the penalty for sin, but we can just receive through faith the righteousness that Christ has won for us on the cross. And so let's take a minute and prepare our hearts to step in, if we could use that language, to step into who we are in Jesus Christ. And if you've come here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you know, 
as we give you a few moments, just, just say this to him. Lord Jesus, I just invite you into my heart and my life. I invite you to forgive me my sins and help me to walk out this life. Help me to choose the right people to speak into my heart and help me to feed my soul with the sacred scriptures, your word, the Bible. Take a minute, prepare your heart, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's table together.